This morning, we're actually starting a new series called Hearing God. As we launch into the new year, talking about 21 days of prayer and fasting and seeking God's direction for what He has planned for this year for our church and for our community, it doesn't make much sense to take time to stop and pray and listen if we don't know how to stop and pray and listen. And as I've been reading and I've been going through some different stuff, I realize that a lot of times we have trouble hearing God. And sometimes we hear God and we're not sure that it is actually God speaking to us. Or we wonder if it's us or we wonder if we're just imagining things or we're dismissing dreams as, oh, that was just weird and it's nothing when really it's God trying to speak to us. So how do we hone that ability to hear the voice of God, to know that it's Him that's speaking to us, and to have the confidence that what we have heard, we can take and apply in everyday life, take it wherever we need to go. And so I want to start this morning off and start the whole series off with a passage just to kind of get us thinking in this direction. And then I will let you ask me questions for a little bit. Um, if anyone wants to ask a question and they don't want it to be known that you are asking it, um, and you don't want to post it on the app for everyone to see your name, you can private message the church page through Facebook or through, you, through Instagram, not through YouTube. Um, and I will also get those questions as well. Don't be shy. Ask lots. I, if I don't get to it, or I, I did say that I would answer almost any question. I will, I reserve the right to not answer questions, okay? Um, and by saying that, not answer them publicly. I will answer them privately. Um, but yes, I reserve the right to not answer questions. Um, but before, to get into the, the, the heart of hearing God, uh, we're in John 10, as you saw on the first screen, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you want to just look on the screen, it's there too. John 10, here we go. Jesus is speaking. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all out his own, brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And Jesus is talking about himself here. He says, I am the shepherd. You are the sheep. And for the literal sheep and shepherd, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. They won't follow anybody else. Well, how do sheep learn the voice of the shepherd? It takes time. Because shepherds would live with their sheep. They would eat, breathe, sleep. They would do everything. They were around the sheep so much that they became a, the sheep became attuned to his voice and his voice alone. To the point where they would recognize it, where in the midst of a whole bunch of voices calling out. Because what they would do is they put all the sheep in one pen, and they'd all be eating a bunch of different flocks. And as soon as the shepherd came, not only is he calling out to his sheep, but he calls each of them by name. He knows his sheep 
personally, and the sheep know his voice, and they separate from the other flocks, and they go to their shepherd. And Jesus is saying the same for us, that we would be so attuned to God's voice, that we would spend so much time with him, that we would recognize his voice the instant we heard it. It takes time, it takes relationship. The same way your kids learn your voice, it's just because you are around them all the time. A whole bunch of parents could be yelling at your kid, but as soon as they hear your voice, they know you're the one yelling. In the same way that you recognize your child's cry. Oh, someone's crying. No, that's not my kid. That is somebody else's kid. I'm not going to worry about it. My kid may have done what is causing the crying, but it is not my kid crying. Maybe not my problem. And so this is where hearing from God starts. It starts by us getting ready to spend time with him and to actually quiet ourselves enough to hear God speak. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to you guys to answer, ask questions. My daughter took off with my phone. So everyone who's private messaging me all your questions, um, you have to wait till my phone is returned to me. Um, Mary's going to go retrieve it. I'm going to get my coffee. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Uh, anyone bold enough to scream out a question? So to kick it off, because I figured there might be a bit of a lull, I figured I would ask a question. I would relay a question that is asked not only of myself, but is generally asked of the church for people looking for questions, looking for answers. Um, Thank you, Mary. What do we do with this little problem of evil? So here's how the question goes. Usually it's framed that if God is good and God is all-powerful, then why is there evil in the world? And so the conclusion is either God is not good and he is just allowing evil to happen, or God is not all-powerful because he can't do anything about it. So how can there be a good God, an all-powerful God who can do all things, and yet evil remains? And here is the short answer. There's books written on this thing. Here, here's the short answer as I came up with it. Um, the problem with that question is that there's this default understanding that man is good. Right? If, and if man is good, then there's got to be an exterior thing causing the problem. And that's not what Scripture teaches us. Now, I'm not saying that man is evil as well. What I'm saying is humanity is sinful. Humanity has this sin problem, and that sin problem leads us to do evil things. It is not that there is something, well, there is something wrong with man. He has this disease, he has this sickness that he needs a cure for. And the cure is Jesus. This is why people who don't know Jesus can still do good things. Because people who are sinful can still do good and world-helping things. But often the motive is wrong. It's not that man is evil, it's just that man is sinful, and sin, more times than not, leads 
to evil things being done? Like I said, that's the super short answer. If you really want the long answer, I have a couple books you can read. Um, so there you go. I, ha I started off with a heavy question. What, any questions that anybody has? I know I didn't give you much notice that this is what was going to happen. I think without Jesus, we are choosing condemnation. We are choosing um, to be separated from God. Um, the way I listen to Ravi Zacharias say that it is not that it's not that God is condemning us because of our choice, but if we have chosen to live our entire lives separate from God and from his church, then why would God ever force himself on us for all eternity? If, if we have chosen to live our own way um, from the day we're born to the day we die, hi, good distraction. Um, God is a good God. He's a loving God. He respects our free will. And if we have, if we don't want to do it in life, why would we ever want to do it in death and in eternity? And so it's actually a result of our own choosing, not anything God is doing, right? Does that answer the question? I didn't use words like depravity and all that, but my head, evil will work, yes. Oh, there we go. Anyways, was that good? Did I, am I, kind of? Okay, okay. Okay, so we found our first question come in. How can you tell the difference between God's voice and your own? Um, great question. And this is going to be something that we're going to talk about over the course of the series, so I don't want to get too much into this. Um... But again, like the shepherd, is going to take time. And it's going to take faith. There's going to be times where we're going to think God's talking to us and we're going to act on it and it's not going to go well. Chances are it wasn't God's fault. Chances are we heard something that wasn't actually coming from him. But are we ever going to 100% no? I don't know if we will. I think there's always going to be an element of faith when it comes to hearing God's voice. There's always going to be an element of, is this me or is this him? It lines up with scripture. It lines up with everything I know about God. So there's a good chance, but it could be wrong. Um, because we're talking about an invisible, unseen God who sometimes speaks in audible ways, but sometimes doesn't. Sometimes chooses to speak through inspiration. Sometimes chooses to speak through dreams. Sometimes chooses to speak through any number of ways. And so, yeah. Good question. Second question is in, what is the purpose of the church? Good question from somebody. I don't know if he could smile any bigger. Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think the purpose of the church is to advance the kingdom of God. The church is the kingdom of God. And so our purpose here is to find ways to spread the gospel to as many people as possible. And so, 
as I talked about this morning, it starts with prayer. It starts with us knowing God's voice. And because at the end of the day, nobody knows the people in our community. Nobody knows the people in our church. Nobody knows the people of our world better than the shepherd who has written every single one of their days in their in their in his book of life. And so if we want to know how to reach people. If we want to know how to make an impact on people, we need to go to the one who has got all the answers. And so as a church, we are to spread the gospel. We are to create opportunities for people to experience God because in you shouldn't, if you're going to find God, this should be the place to find him. Not just the building, but amongst God's people. Remember, the building is not the church. We're the church. We don't stop being church because we go outside the doors. We're the church everywhere. I don't know if anyone listened to the podcast or watched the video last week, but I appreciated Mitch's sentiment. He said, what if, what if our community wasn't safe? What if we as a church were so on fire about Jesus and telling people about his forgiveness and his healing and the all good things that Jesus brings that like, people would go to the coffee shop, go to Michael's and order a coffee and say, oh, and how can I pray for you? What if nobody was safe because God's people were so radical and so on fire for God that they would just, that everybody was a target? I like that sentiment. I think that's the church right there. That we are so in love with Jesus that we just want to tell everyone about him. Now you guys start talking. I says, here we go. Oh, there's a follow-up question coming. We read so many stories in the Bible about God doing miracles. Why are we not seeing things like that today? Who? That's a loaded question. I think there's two parts to this question. The first part is we are seeing miracles happen. We're just not seeing it here in North America so much. We go to other countries, we go to, um, especially in third world countries, we see miracles happening all the time. We hear stories of people coming back from the dead. We hear stories of people being healed and um, sicknesses being taken away and blind eyes being opened. And so I think the real question is, why don't we see it here so much? I think the problem is, is that we don't think of God as our first source. I think when we get sick, I think when hard times hit us, I think when um, we're struggling, we're, we have so many resources at our fingertips. You know, Dr. Google is a great one that we go to all the time. Something's wrong, I must go to Dr. Google to find the answer instead of getting on our knees and saying, God, where am I? What's wrong, God? And can you please be the one to help me? I often talk about, I, I use the example of the keys. How many times has anyone ever lost their keys, tore their whole house apart looking for the keys, and then you stop and say, okay, God, where are the keys? And you find them within three seconds. But what if, what if our healing worked the same way? What if, it, ah, what if instead of after going to all the doctors and going to all the Dr. Google and going to all the apps and going everywhere looking for an answer, what if instead we stopped and asked the one who heals us, 
what's wrong and actually believe that he wanted to do what only God can do. Here we go. I think the reason we don't see miracles is that we don't um, the reason we don't see miracles is that we're not looking for them. Oh, the delay. So, in this, oh, in a safety first culture, sorry, I need to learn how to read. In a safety first culture, how are people of faith supposed to live when faith requires risk? Oh, I poked the bear. That was a bad idea. Just grinning over there. Um, like I said, with the prayer, and how do we know God's voice? There's always going to be an element of risk. There's always going to be an element of faith. So how do we take risks in our culture when safety comes first? And I think we need to look at risk differently. Like I said, with the miracles, we we don't we don't actually need God to heal us. We don't actually need a miracle from God because we've got the safety net of the doctors. And I'm not saying don't go to doctors, okay? Don't masturbate to doctors are bad. No, I'm not saying that at all. God actually enables doctors to do what they need to do, and God is the one who allows the medicine to work, and God is the one who's at work behind it all. So I'm not saying any of that. But I think the risk looks different in today's society for us in our culture because the risk that we need to take might not be depending on God for a miracle, but it might be taking the risk of our reputation to talk to our neighbor about Jesus. The risk might be to turn away a business opportunity and because the partner isn't somebody who does things in an honorable way or the the person that we're working with is, not that they have to be God-honoring, but they're, they can't be breaking rules. They can't be, they can still be God-honoring without being a Christ follower. And that's a risk. That's a risk to say, I'm going to draw that line in the sand. The risk, yeah, the risk just looks different. But I think there's always a risk of saying that I'm going to choose God's way over everyone else's way. There's always a risk of just taking a step of faith. Yeah, it might not be the same as in a third world country, but... Okay, here we go. How come, how common are visions and dreams from God these days? If someone claims they've had a vision from God, how are some ways we can tell if it is true or if that this person just had a dream of something they were thinking about lately? Good question. How common are visions and dreams from God today? I think they're more common than we realize. I think we so often... Um, 
I think we often disregard dreams that we're having because they're just crazy or or like this the question said what if it's just something we've been thinking about well what if the dream is a way of God saying hey I see that you're thinking about this I see that you're worried about it and I'm I want to speak to you about it um I think they're more common than we realize, but I think it come it takes the practice of hearing God's voice and seeking God, saying, God, I just had this dream. It's crazy. I don't understand. Are you speaking to me, or is this just some totally random dream that I I just had, and I don't, you know. Um, First Corinthians tells us that he gives us the gift of discernment which is definitely a gift that we need to probably use more often. God, help me to know if this is from you or if this is just my brain doing a mental dump of all things I've been contemplating. Um, the other big thing that we always have is this word. God never says anything that is contrary to this word. If it contradicts this, there's a good thing, chance it's not from God. But the flip side of this is that we'd actually have to know this word well enough to know when there's a contradiction and when there's not. We have to know this word well enough to recognize when, even in this, it looks like there's contradictions even within God's word. So how can two things that seem to be contradictory still be true? So we need to know this so we can know what is from God and what is not from God. But good question. Again, something that we will be breaking down more thoroughly um, over the course of the series. What role does confession have in hearing from God? The other pastor in the house that is trying to just throw me off my game. Grimer. Um, what role does confession have? Well, okay, Darren, I know this is delayed and you're not going to be able to uh, answer, but what confession are you talking about? Because there's different levels of confession, sir. I'll throw it back to you. I'll wait for your clarity. Next question. If someone has a fact and knowledge-based perspective of the world, how can you shift them to think about life from a faith-based perspective if they dismiss you? Um, good question. Um, I think the big thing to remember is that our, our faith in Jesus is not just a whimsical faith that is not based on anything. There's actually a lot of fact and knowledge behind Christianity. There's a lot of historians who affirm everything that we believe. Um, there's actually more logic and more truth in Christianity than sometimes Christianity is given credit for. Um, it's just a matter of finding the facts that are going to make the difference for that person. Um, I think often Christian. 
Okay. Switch it to Michelle. Um, I think often we Christianity gets this bad rap of just well, you just take it on faith. You just you just believe it because um, the church tells you to believe it or the Bible tells you to believe. Well, no, actually, the the healthy way to grow as a Christian is not to just blindly believe stuff, but to actually do the research and look into it and find the facts and find the truth and find the reality that actually Christianity is the the best truth. It is the only truth. It is the thing that has driven our our society forward to be the best version of itself. There isn't, it's not just blind faith. It's not just close our eyes and hope for the best, but there is actually a lot of truth behind it. And if we actually have this really great series here at the church called the truth project and it's intense it hurts your head after you watch each episode but it goes through history philosophy science um i can't even remember all of them because it's been so long um politics finance business it goes through every the family goes through everything facet every area of life and it says listen this is god's design for this and this is why god's design is the better way this is why god's design is the truth and um yeah it's it's not a faith versus fact it's there's a lot of fact and it's just a matter of finding the facts it's just a matter of doing the digging um anyways i was trying to say um the growth a healthy growth pattern for a Christian is to take everything right out of the gate as just the Bible says so, right? I believe this because the Bible tells me so. Um, then to move to a spot where you question everything. And not just question everything and just when you don't find answers, just stop. You actually question everything and you look for the answers so you actually find the answers. And at the end of it, after the questioning, after the seeking, after the fact-finding, we get back to the spot where we're like, yeah, it's true because the Bible says so. But it's actually true because of all this research I've done, because of everything I've found that supports all of it. But at the end of the day, it's true because the Bible says it's true. Um, good questions. Um, thank you, everyone, who asked questions. Um, here, here is my closing thought. This is all one great big sermon analogy. Um, imagine if, how often do we go to prayer and we ask God a question, but we don't actually believe that God's going to answer us? Because imagine if we had this Q&A time and you just threw a whole bunch of questions at us and we're, I was like, eh, those are good questions, I'm... Just stay in that question. Just just keep wondering. I'm not actually going to answer it. Um, that would completely defeat the whole purpose of the Q&A. But on the flip side, you ask me a question, and I go to answer it, and you walk out the door. Or someone online asks a question, and they turn off the live stream before I get a chance to answer it. Well, what's the point in asking the question if you're not going to wait to hear the answer? And so often, this is what we do in prayer. So often we go to prayer with our struggles and our 
and we, we get on our knees or we, we pour it all out, but we don't actually believe that God is listening. But I feel better because I got it off my chest. Or, on the flip side, we do get on our knees and we do ask, and we know that God is listening, so we just pour it all out, pour it all out, pour it all out, and then we get up and walk away without actually stopping and waiting for the answer. If you ever did that in marriage, you're in trouble. Now, there's times to vent, but there's also times to listen to the response. And your relationship with God works the same way. It's not your relationship and prayer, and this is where I think we, as we have this new focus of prayer this upcoming year, and we get into the 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's not just a matter of spilling everything to God and then walking away um, because you got it all out. It's actually spilling it all God to God and stopping and pausing and waiting for the answer. Because prayer isn't just a one-way conversation. Prayer is a two-way conversation, and God does answer. And believe it or not, God actually knows what he's talking about. More than I do, sometimes. Most of the time. All the time. God actually knows what he's talking about in every situation. There's no situation that you can go to God about that he doesn't have an answer for. That he doesn't have, hasn't seen the end of the problem resolved. That he hasn't actually taken it as far as he can take it. God knows the beginning from the end. So when we have our struggles, when we have our issues, when we have our questions, often when it's amazing how often I pause to talk to God and God is actually just sitting there waiting for me to ask the right question. God, why am I not going to answer? Because you're not asking the right questions. Oh. Or sometimes we pray and we're waiting for an answer. We haven't actually asked God a question yet. We've just spilled all of our problems and it's like, okay, God, you, you, you fix it now. When really it's, we're coming and we're saying we should be coming to the one who is the source of all truth, the source of all knowledge, the source of all wisdom, say getting on our knees before the great teacher and saying, God, what do I do? God, how do I get through this? God, what's the answer? I am missing something. And sometimes God steps in and he is the answer. He is the one who's going to resolve it. He is the one who's going to make the path straight. And sometimes God's like, God's got an answer for you to do things a little bit differently. To see things from a new perspective, to see things from his perspective. But so often we need to just change the way we pray. It's not a one-way street. When we pray, we actually have to stop and wait for the answer. And sometimes we have to ask the right questions to get the answer. We need to be good sheep, and we need to know the shepherd's voice. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to answer questions to the best of my ability. God, I thank you that you are the source of all answers, that you are the source of all wisdom and knowledge, that you are, you really are the highest truth. God, I pray that 
as we enter into this time of prayer and fasting and seeking your face for what's to come this year. I pray that we really do have ears to listen and a heart to receive sometimes some hard truths. God, help us to listen. Help us to not pour it all out to you and then run away um, without waiting for the answer. God, I pray that we would be like children before our dad, that you are the great problem solver. You are our superhero, and we just come to you with everything, whether it's good or bad, just to celebrate with you and to get your wisdom on it. Um, but may we be people who listen and people who obey. Jesus, we love you. Give you all our praise and thanks in your precious name. Amen.